Welcome back, Paul, and to our listeners, um, Paul Witham, and we're interviewing part three of a, I'm not sure how many part episodes, um, we're going to have just conversations about uh, thinking more deeply about our faith and how you know, real life integrates um, with our faith in Jesus Christ and how we walk that out and how we experience the fullness of his life and then live that out amongst others. That sounds all fancy, doesn't it, Paul? But uh, you know, the last things you were sharing were things like being broken, humble, I, thou, and um, I'd just be interested to see how that there kind of led you into the next phase of okay. your work and your life. Sure. Yeah. <clears throat> wow. Um, well, then, after this brokenness, I started to think about all those broken Christian marriages and starting to see that there were people all around them, but they didn't confess or disclose or talk about their brokenness. This is all happening under the very nose of the institution that they were connected with, or the, the church family, so to speak. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. So it just so this whole thing about giving without receiving was very lopsided to oh, me. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, like Peter, it'd take a while to get there, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, after three years, 24-7 of being with his Lord, he gets it. It's not a three-week course. No, no, no. exactly right. <laughs> so... I started to then flip that around and say, well, what's the potential here? If you did meet with people and you did get real, wow, wouldn't that be cool? And actually there was one glimmer of hope when I was pushing out and I just needed someone to journey with. And, and one of the previous guys I lived with in the, in the community home said, Paul, gee, it's tough, 30 to 1. How about you come for a weekly breakfast? Now, this is about 25 years ago. And uh, so I did, and it was a breath of fresh air. I could just be real, how's it going? Actually, blah. Yeah. And they would say, well, let's pray for you. That's a tough gig. And it was, and, and we could do the same. And so there'd be some weeks where I'd be travelling bad, and then others when they were, you were like pistons of a car, you know, some yeah, are up, yeah, some yeah, are down. Yeah, yeah. But over the course of life, so I since then have always been a part of a men's group. That, that's something that's sustained me. But... But again, we need to receive. And, uh, yeah, so I'm just wondering what happened then. So so then I took up clinical psychology. I thought you were going to say you, 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 you took up um, karate or something. <laughs> I should have. <laughs> yeah. well, I was in too deep. I was just in, way over my head. I didn't know, you know, the head spaces of these 30 people. I didn't, and I'm starting to see, you know, church people would only just bip the horn, pick up the people and then drop them off. And, okay. I'm, and I'm just thinking, I can't believe you're treating these people as second-class citizens. These people are game changers. Yeah, yeah. And actually, at the time, St Kilda Baptist Church, it was kind of affiliated with Blackburn Baptist. And yeah. so a lot of the people would come down from the Bible Belt and do a tour, a weekend. Oh, like as a mission trip. Yeah, yeah. And actually, that was a game changer. When people In a good way? Yeah, absolutely. Really? Yeah, okay, our places were kind of like zoos. We're novelty kind of yeah, stuff. But yeah. people actually, they, were draw, they could see the gospel being lived out. So okay. there was something very positive. Okay, and if you talk good. to Tim Costello, he would say, uh, I think it was finding God in St Kilda was the best thing we ever had. Really? For that simple reason. People had an injunction. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, they could see, wow, how does that work? How can you deal with this brokenness? So, so that kind of resonated with me a bit. Um, 
Can, can I just butt in for a second? Sure, so, sure. you know, there's a, there's a profound rearrangement, and you know, comment on this because this is just coming off the cuff. There's a pr- profound rearrangement in our message or the, the style of how we live out our lives as believers and, and the church presents itself when, you know, we're going we're gonna to get together with people and sit with them and hear where they're at and understand and ask questions rather than, you know, we've got this time, TikTok, it's 730 Let's make the most of this. We've got an expert here who's going to be talking about mm-hmm. A, B, and C, yeah. and we do it and move on. Yeah. Um, there, there's like a, a culturally, there's a haste. There's also an upbeat, almost self-actualization message sometimes with what's meant to be the gospel. Yeah. And this is this is a big upside down shift in yeah. how we let's use the word minister, how we live our lives with others. Yeah. As absolutely. people of faith. Absolutely. Yeah. It is an upside down. It's hard uh, to sell. Hard sell. Honestly. Oh, it's it's like. I, I kind of think of it like selling fridges to Eskimos. Yeah, you know, intimacy yeah. is a risk, and most people, particularly Christians, don't want it. Yeah. We talked about being killed with kindness. Well, what do you do after you've, you know, greeted someone? What happens then? You know, <laughs> you've like, got the bulletin, you've got a handshake. Yeah. What's next? Yeah. And it's like I don't know if I want to hang around and find out. You know. Yeah, so yeah. I was. Yeah. So my world was inverted, and and actually I hadn't thought of it till now when I was because I was fortunate enough to get a scholarship for a PhD and yeah. I could do anything and I was thinking Lord you know show me and the first group I thought about were palliative care uh, groups because once upon a time palliative care was in hospitals mm-hmm. but then it was outsourced and the, and the nurses would burn out because they're out of their comfort and control yeah so leaving the institution I was really interested in how people could survive that but um, there was a study by Isabel Menzies Lith, and she did observ- like Goffman, she did observational studies of mm. hospitals, and particularly those people who are dying and stuff. And so she would observe that people were dressed up in their uniforms, do temperature, um, uh, blood pressure, heart rate, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, all these meaningless things to a dying person. I mean, you've got to monitor them. But yeah, what, yeah. But they, you know, they... What do they really need? Yeah. yeah. But, and so they were, they were called the terminal in bed three or the... Pan, all this distancing behaviour. <laughs> Does that sound like killed with niceness? Yeah, you know, like, yeah, it's all this yeah. kind of like, this is too hard. Now, going back to that, you know, uh, if you are burning out, you're not going far enough. You need to push into this some more. Yeah, yeah. So, so I was interested in... How you know how that how that process happened? So then it was all a bit too hard. Put it on hold for a while. Did my other studies, and then came back to the research project. <coughs> and I thought, no, I must do clergy. I. It, and it, what what spawned that though? You must do clergy because there was a link between. Be, the, the, the hospital and the, the well, nurse's uniform well, and the yeah, and, and, previous, and the psychiatric kind of trends okay, as well. Yeah. You know, there were, there's something institutional. about institutional yep. behaviour that is unhealthy. Okay. And I'm, I'm so thankful for my psychiatric and psychology training because it, it, it breeds artificial behaviour. Okay. It's just not useful. So the very, the very nature of how it's been structured... Is counterproductive in, well, in finding, yeah, finding the real life. Well, that's right. Cults breed on this stuff. You yeah. isolate yourself and you set up these strange behaviours and validation yeah. and then you go for and it. it. And it's a mutual, it works mutually for both of us. Yeah. Codependence. Yeah, exactly right. So, so I, you know, that's what ultimately led to house church and everything else later okay. on down okay. the track. But um, in regard to clergy, I was interested in, well, I knew that loneliness correlated with burnout. 
Okay, and that was a key. I found a study, um, Marianne Brown did an honours uh, thesis on um, loneliness of burnout, a really rare study, but how it was correlated highly with burnout. And then I realised, I, it, relationship. If you want the role, you get the stress. It's that yeah. simple. God, I only just said to my wife last night, you know, when you spend spend a day on a digger in the heat, you, you, you may be, I should be taking some medication, but, you know, you think deeply about a few things. And I, and I realised that no one out here is patting me on the back. Yeah. No one here is being nice. I mean, I get a bottle of water here and there, sure. whatever. I, I meet these clients from day to day. Yeah. Um, but when I, I mean, I obviously used to work in the church and, uh, you know, everyone's, not everyone, but you're often getting backslapped and you're getting, yeah. you know, you're getting kind well, of pissed up and you're important and absolutely. you're seen as someone that's Validation. special. Valid, yeah, absolutely. All those things. So this is where your role, who are you without your role? Yeah. Uh, you know, and if you, you know, look, look at all your cards in your, car, um, in your wallet. If you chuck them away, who are you without money? Who are you without your, your you Wouldn't know, change things too much out of my wallet. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly who I am. <laughs> Actually, I, I can relate in part. So, uh, so the, the, point, the point being, I suppose, is if we take ourselves too seriously, we don't take time out with friends, yeah. we don't receive... As, as we share, we end up lopsided and dangerous. Now, this is where I wanted to wrap my head around clergy, why they, why they did sexual abuse. Yeah. I was really keen. Now, just to put you in the picture, you know, a lot of your listeners um, watch movies, Spotlight, we've talked about that, how the Boston Globe broke um, the, Bo- the Boston Archdiocese. They thought they had two pedophile priests. They ended up with 269. Cool. Um, publicly accused priests, and it just opened a Pandora's box across the world. Now, um, since then, the last 10 years, nothing systemically, I laugh, but I'm really crying inside, has changed. Um, The Vatican has defrocked, uh, I should just say, just how the church dealt with that is when they're aware of an issue, they just push them into counselling and then put them back in another diocese. So they just shifted them around. Now, and so they would have more victims. Yeah. Now, just to put you... Yeah, they're almost promoting the behaviour. So, yeah, exactly right. So it was a, it was, it was a cover-up and, yeah, since then, I think they've defrocked 850 priests and 2,500 have been sanctioned in the last... Ten years now. This is this has got to be a, a symptom of the deeper thing that you were looking into. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Institutional yeah. behaviour. Yeah. So, so well, it's happening in Australia. Yeah. Uh, we know now the Royal Commission. Um, Four thousand five hundred people have publicly accused priests. One thousand two hundred fifty have been identified um, over six decades. That one thousand two hundred fifty equates to seven percent. Of priests who are pedophiles, seven percent. This is in a particular church, or just across the across board? the Catholic Church. Now, I mean, it's a hot, it's a hot topic, but it's 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 kind of what spawned oh, you saying, well, absolutely, why is that happening? And exactly, why is that happening? yeah, and and institutional behaviour, role lock, I it, all that kind yeah, of stuff yeah, goes yeah. with that. It's coming together. And as soon yeah. as I found loneliness was the key, I I had to do a PhD on it. And it's, it, weird. it's weird, isn't it, that you know you can be. You can be in a situation where there's so much adulation and you're held in high esteem that loneliness will be a word that comes to the, t- yeah, the, it's, the top. Exactly. It's lonely at the top, absolutely. And it's, um, yeah, it's, 
there's so a, there's, a, there's a like there's a missing authenticity when they're when you're roll locked. Yeah. Between between you and your client, so to speak. Well, it, we're, we're living none. we're living the lie, and there's this kind of like, yeah, I'm here for you, as if as if they want that. Yeah. You know, and it's not a real relationship anyway. Now, I should just clarify too. We might just say, oh, you know, this is a symptom of the Catholic Church. Well, the Protestant Church, the the yeah, this <laughs> is not a Catholic bashing. No, statistic. no, no, it it's isn't. A... Protestant, we can go, uh, you know, um, some of the statistics: thirty percent um, of people in Protestant churches um, have sexual intercourse with um, the person other than their spouse on a self on a self report. So you can inflate that. I remember reading that in your book. It's, it's, it's huge. One phenomenal. in three. Well, that's the ones who own up. Yeah, yeah. So you could, you know, I oh know, one in two, maybe. I don't know. So this is what we're promoting. This professionalised I, it is, you know, there's a huge problem, inherent problem. Uh, burnout. Um, four National Church Life Surveys. Biggest surveys across the nation on leaders. Four out of five are either borderline or significant burnout. It's not working. It never and oh by the way, Catholics. Well, I can give you a statistic in Adelaide. Um, we were um, ordaining eighty priests a year. It's now one or two in Adelaide. Yeah, now. absolutely. And so and they're, that, not, and they're not keen to defrock really after they can barely exactly frock. right. Yeah. Exactly right. So one. <laughs> so you think of it, and most denominations are ordaining one or two, and we've got baby boomers leaving positions. The church will be handed back to the people. It's only a matter of time. I, I know you've kind of clarified and qualified a few things here, but you know, in the hearts and the minds of those people who might be listening that have had experience with the more upbeat and trend, trendy type churches that are you know, yeah. mainly grouped in the Pentecostal category. Um, it would be hard to imagine this would flow on into that space. This idea of, you know, I, it, sorry, is it I, it, yeah, and I loneliness, yeah. you know, yeah. it doesn't seem to have the same stodginess to it. The perception is that at least, yeah. which you, your research obviously went right across oh, the board. Oh, absolutely. We did all denominations. Yeah. And, and it it's was the consistent. Nature, yep. It's the nature of the actual structure and the relationship between the leader and the people. Absolutely. And, you know, when... The National Church Life Survey approached us and said, look, we're really interested in writing burnout materials and it was a great offer. And I said, really, do you want to do my qualitative... Because I took stories of all these leaders. Yeah. I should say, when I went out... My, mine was a small study, you know, six... Um, five main denominations, 12 each. Yeah. Good godly 12. Yeah. Um, and I went out and with an open question. Tell me about your life at the moment, the good and bad, what it's like for you now. And this is an international kind of qualitative measure, okay? Yeah, yeah. I forget, <laughs> it's been a long time, but something like 10% mentioned God in that and I had to go out all across New South There's Wales a clergy, again. clergy. Yeah. yeah, I had to go out and say, can you tell me about your relationship with God? Essentially because I didn't in the first question. So I started to see all this stuff and go, what are we doing? Where's the relationship? With God, with the poor, Where, where's what is intimacy? So, so you know, we're coming to the end of our <coughs> fifteen-minute quota, and um, I, you know, I, I guess the thing I want to clarify is, you know, it's not in your nature, and and by no means is this uh, a way of saying, you know, we've we have dramas with the clergy or. Uh, not dramas, you know, like we're not trying to bash clergy, no. we're not trying to bash the institution. I could say the same for psychologists. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but it's actually led you to go, what's deeper and, and how could we look alternatively at how we could express life as the Church of Christ? Absolutely. Without, without this kind of 
lopsided. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's probably a great uh, a great segue to the next episode is, yeah. is looking more Good deep. How, 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 what do you distill out of that? And how does that shape your current experience? And, and what kind of thoughts would you have to encourage us as we, we live this out? And, you know, not the no-go zones, but places to avoid, things to look out for and... Mm. And uh, things to kind of give more value to as we live this life simply. Yeah, great yeah. questions. Yeah, okay. Thanks, thanks again, Paul. This is great.